This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. This is Eddie Turner, your host for the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to leadership development and leadership insights. As a leader, are you curious? Have you stopped being curious? Well, if so, how can you and I crack the curiosity code and thereby unlock our full potential as leaders? Well, the person has cracked the code for us will explain. We're going to learn from Dr. Diane Hamilton why curiosity matters to you and I as leaders right after this message. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Eddie Turner, LLC delivers executive and leadership coaching, professional speaking, facilitation services, and management consulting across the globe. Eddie Turner LLC also creates voiceovers, serves as a master of ceremonies, as a panel and event moderator, and provides national media commentary. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. My guest today has interviewed hundreds of the world's top leaders. It is truly a list of the who's who. And today I get to interview her. Dr. Diane Hamilton is a nationally syndicated radio host, speaker, moderator, consultant, and author. She's the former MBA program chair at the Forbes School of Business. Dr. Hamilton is the author of multiple books, including Cracking the Curiosity Code, The Key to Unlocking Human Potential. She is the creator of the Curiosity Code Index Assessment. Her groundbreaking work in the area of curiosity has been heralded by some of the biggest names in leadership. Her books continue to be required reading in universities around the globe. Dr. Diane Hamilton, welcome to the show. Well, it's so nice to be here, Eddie. This is so uh, much fun to, to join you on your show. And I hear it's doing amazingly well, and I'm looking forward to this. Well, thank you. I am so excited because I got a chance to be a guest on your show. And then you came and you spent a little time in Houston. Even though we weren't able to connect, I still felt your presence. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it there. You know, I had never been to Houston until that trip. And it was so pretty. I I, I was nice. uh, You know, I I had a quick little tour of Rice University. And uh, it it was just beautiful. So, yeah, next time we'll have to get together. But I got to meet you back in um, Dallas few years ago. So we have met at least once. So that was good. Oh, thank you. My memory is escaping me. You're absolutely right at the C-Speed event. Yes. Right. I have a picture with you. 
Yes, we, we had a, um, a big uh, event there, and it was really fun to uh, get a chance to meet everybody in the C-Suite Network, and uh, Jeff Hazlett did a great job with that, and it was fun. Wow. So you can't see me blushing and feeling really, really silly right now, but yes, thank you for the reminder. <laughs> I don't think we had a chance to really meet each other until then. We got thrown into a picture before even being introduced. So it was more fun when you were on the show because I really got a chance to to chat with you. And, and your uh, your work and my work, we were, we're both interested in so much of the same stuff. So it, it, this is fun. Yeah, we have a lot in common, including being curious. <laughs> yes, we and, do. So this, in fact, your book is doing really well. It's an Amazon bestseller, and it's available uh, in Kindle, hardcover, paperback, and as an audiobook, so people can actually hear you live. So tell me, what motivated you to write this book? Well, you know, as you're talking about the motivation behind it, I want to get to that, but you mentioned it's an audiobook, and as you were introducing me, I, start, I was thinking, boy, you would be just so great at audiobook narrating. I mean, you have the beautiful voice for, you know, I picked Dion Graham to, to do my audiobook narration. He's one of the best audiobook narrators. He's won like every award out there. And there was points when you were introducing me, I'm thinking, boy, you sound a lot like Dion. You have that same beautiful tone to your voice. And I'm thinking, that's, you may, you may have an extra business to go into, Eddie, if this uh, if you don't spend too much time with every million other things that you're doing. <laughs> my, you know, my motivation was, um, well, you know, you mentioned I have a radio show at the Who's Who and, and definitely have interviewed some of the most amazing individuals on the planet from, you know, billionaires to Hall of Fame speakers to Time Magazine's most influentials. And I mean, I every day I, I'm just stunned by who I meet. I had Albert Bandura on the other day. I mean, think of, he's like next to Freud, the most cited psychologists of all times, right? Wow. And, you know, so everybody I talk to, uh, Daniel Goldman or, you know, just the tops of the tops, and I'm listening to them and thinking, well, this person, they just really have it. Everything um, that they've done just is just amazing. And, they, and, and every time I started to find out what led to their success, it always kept coming back to that they were really curious. They read a lot. They, you know, they just had this self-motivation and drive that led them down these paths and they didn't give up. And there was just certain qualities I started to notice. And, you know, I've also taught more than a thousand business courses and probably interviewed close to a thousand people now. And so in those business courses, you've got, you know, I don't even know how many students over all these years and all those courses I've taught. And a lot of them are really driven and, and have a lot of uh, great things that they're trying to do. But, you could just tell there's a lot of students who just kind of want you to tell them how to do it. They don't want to figure it out for themselves. And I started to think, you know, why aren't they more curious? Why, why is this group so unbelievable in this group? Just, you know, they're happy to have somebody give them the fish instead of teach them to fish. And I, I started to write a book on curiosity because I thought it all boiled down to that. And boy, was I right when I started <laughs> to research this, everything boiled down to the spark being curiosity from motivation and drive to critical thinking, conflict, creativity, teamwork, engagement, innovation, productivity, everything kept coming back to curiosity. And I've had motivation and drive experts on my show who would say, yes, you know, curiosity is the spark. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I, as I'm writing the book, I'm, I'm thinking, well, I don't really just want to write a book because there's books about drive and motivation and curiosity, but 
there it, there wasn't a book or uh, an assessment even out there that really determined what kept people from being curious. That's what I wanted to fix. I'm thinking, you know, how can you become more curious if you can't put your finger on what's keeping people from being curious, right? So as I started to write the book, I, I started to write in assessments because I had written my doctoral dissertation on emotional intelligence and studied a lot about personality assessments at that time. And uh, it, that led to my interest in this, just how to assess things. And I hired a bunch of people, uh, psychometric statisticians and people from, you know, went to Harvard or Pepperdine, all these people I talked to. And then I started to learn how to do factor analysis on my own because I really wanted to make sure my questions uh, to, could really pick out the things that help determine whether, you know, what's impacting curiosity. So as I'm starting to write the book, I started to write the, the, the assessment and it all ended up as a together that they, you know, they complement each other and it all ended up a lot bigger project than I had planned. And the, the so is this answer to your question a lot longer than I thought it would be. No, no, that's <laughs> fascinating. And you, you really help us to understand the full depth and breadth of your, what went into it. And there's a couple of things you mentioned that I'd love to unpack. One is how you said everything kept coming back to curiosity. And you lay that out very nicely, even in the table of contents, curiosity, as it relates to decision making, curiosity, leadership, engagement, intelligence, you lay it out very nicely, just the way you said that everything does come back to that. And I don't think I made that connection before going through your book. Well, you know, I didn't either. So I started writing. (laughs) 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 And the things I started to write, well, what are the things that really are problems for companies right now? I mean, everybody's having conflict resolution with, you know, multiple generations or, teamwork issues because of that, or engagement issues that are huge, or, you know, soft skills. And as I started to think about all the things that I hear as a consultant that leaders want to fix, I started to write, well, how can curiosity help with that? And everything kept coming back to it. And that's why I included chapters on all those things, because I really think those are the pain points that everybody's feeling right now. And if it it just resonated with so many people, you saw that I had Keith Kroc, um, uh, wrote the foreword and he was a, he's a billionaire genius behind uh, DocuSign and, and, you know, a, a lot of other adventures. And he uh, was one of the most curious people I knew. And so I had a lot of people like that who took a look at my work and, um, you know, Vern Harnish and Jeff Hazlett and, you know, Ken Fisher and Steve Forbes. I mean, you name it, they all were writing really wonderful things because they, agreed, you know, that curiosity was a huge thing. And I think, uh, I, I can't remember exactly how Vern put it, but he was saying like this could be the next big movement, similar to like what we're seeing with emotional intelligence, you know, what we saw of how important this is to leadership. And I, and I think everybody knows that motivation and drive is important, but they didn't go back far enough, I don't think. I think we needed to, to get to the spark, which I think is curiosity. And by the way, congratulations on getting a billionaire to endorse your book, but you've got three. I mean, <laughs> that's just incredible. So uh, you definitely uh, know some pretty, pretty influential people, and it says a lot that they uh, put their stamp on your work because it really is well done. I was really grateful that, you know, to even, inter- I mean, I've interviewed so many uh, billionaires, and, I, you know, Jeff Hoffman was going to write something, never got to get through with that one but you know i've interviewed craig newmark craigslist you know so all those guys they're just so naveen jane i mean think of all the great people 
that have reached billionaire status. And, and every one of them, I, I include stories about a lot of them in my book. Naveen is just the most voracious reader of anybody I've ever met in my life. And he just goes into different industries and tries to figure out what it is, you know, that needs fixing. And he, he goes in with fresh eyes. He doesn't even, he doesn't let it limit him that he never had been trained in, in that, whatever that is in college or whatever. He starts from the ground and he, Builds his way, and he just never stops reading. I've never met anybody quite so driven as in, in terms of wanting to learn like he has. Yeah, you do cite a lot of people, and you do uh, you did do a lot of research on this. Literally, when I said that you've interviewed hundreds of the world's top leaders, sometimes uh, that's a uh, that's the use of hyperbole when someone may say something like that. But in your case, it clearly, uh, it was no hyperbole. I mean, if people look at your guest list of people you've had on either your radio show, nationally syndicated, or yeah. your podcast, it really is some impressive list of people. Some of the, literally the best authors in the world, uh, the most influential business people, C-suite leaders. I mean, you've, you've covered the gamut. So very yeah. impressive. You were one of them. And I think that I try to seek out the best of the best. And I think it's getting close to it. I hate to say it's that many. <laughs> it's been not quite that many, but there's been quite a few. And um, every year I keep thinking, well, how many more people can I interview? Because it seems like, you know, but there's always somebody new and exciting. Um, you know, I, I never would have realized I would have met some of the people I met yesterday. I had uh, Rich Carlgard on, you know, big, he's, you know, huge at Forbes and really has a great new book out. And, you know, it was so fun to talk to him. He's a friend. And, you know, I've gotten to know so many people from my work as the MBA program chair at Forbes. It really was helpful to get to know people like Rich and, and Ken Fisher and Steve Forbes and those guys. But once you start to know people and you get in this business, you you, you realize everybody's just so, yeah, just like everybody else. I mean, these billionaires, you would think they would be, just so different but you know they're, they're just like everybody else they're working their rear ends off every day and but they love it and they they don't they've got a, a lot of them become really great at philanthropy and they really give back and you know i've been to events where keith crock's given away a million dollars right in front of me for children that you know and amazing education opportunities and so i i i'm really fortunate to have um, been around the people i've been around i have to say that Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Diane. So let's pause for a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the Leadership Accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one -on -one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is General Tom Colditz, founding executive director for the Door Institute for New Leaders at Rice University, and you're listening to the Keep Leading podcast with Eddie Turner. It's time for this week's shout outs. This is where I acknowledge individuals who have engaged with the Keep Reading Podcast on social media or on iTunes. This week, Angela Dixon. Thank you for sharing on LinkedIn and Facebook. David Wolf, who happens to be the audio engineer behind the Keep Reading Podcast. Lou Diamond, MCAG, Daniel Dobish, Jesse Mejia, and Melanie Bragg 
who just released a book called Defining Moments, Insights into the Lawyer's Soul. I want to thank all those individuals for their reviews of the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes. That is very helpful to me and the podcast, as well as those who may be contemplating if this is the right podcast for them. So thank you all. I really appreciate it. I invite you to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast and share with your friends. Please leave a review for me on iTunes so I know you're out there and I know what you're thinking. If you leave a review for me on iTunes or share this podcast on social media, please tag me and then send me a message so I'll know. I'll send you a digital copy of my best-selling book, 140 Simple Messages to Guide Emerging Leaders. And I'll also give you a shout out on social media and on the Keep Leading Podcast. Okay, my guest today is Dr. Diane Hamilton. She's just a fascinating person who I am so privileged to have on the show. And Dr. Diane is discussing with us her book, Cracking the Curiosity Code, the key to unlocking human potential. Dr. Diane, you were telling us about the curiosity code index that you created because there wasn't anything out there that met your needs. Can you talk a little bit more about that and why the reader will benefit by using it? Well, it was an interesting um, thing to develop because I I didn't want to have an assessment that just told you if you are curious or not, because there's been assessments like that. If you look at some of the research out there in the past, openness to experience is part of the big five, which includes curiosity, but it's also creativity and self-actualization and different aspects. And I wanted something that was only curiosity and only what impacts it so that we could fix it, right? So after so many thousands of, you know, questionnaires and things and respondents out there filling in their responses, we, we finally... Uh, narrowed down the questions and we got it down to 36 questions. So it's a really quick questionnaire, similar to taking a simple like emotional intelligence or DISC or, you know, MBTI type of assessment. But what we're finding are there's four things uh, that impact curiosity, which are fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. And what we found on the fear is fear is a real common one. Actually, I thought it was going to be just yeah, I was wondering how much it was your base because everybody has that, right? I mean, you've, nobody wants to look dumb. Nobody wants to be embarrassed or lose control or, or uh, fail at anything. So uh, we looked at some of the factors. I mean, a lot of it's past experience, some of it's pressure to succeed. Some of it is just, you know, don't want to look incompetent or be rejected. And, uh, you know, there was just so many factors involved, you know, sub factors involved in fear that when someone takes the test, they get their results in nine different subcategories of, of fear. And that, that's really helpful because I think a lot of people, people don't realize, you know, oh, well, that's why I don't do this. Or I'm afraid to say something or I, I think I, I avoid uh, proposing a solution. And we really want people to get over that sense of fear because in the past, I mean, sometimes it was looked at as insubordination almost if you brought up anything or asked questions. But now they realize that, you know, if you really want to be innovative, you've got to get, you know, some options from everybody. And if you're telling people, don't come to me with your problems if you don't have solutions, well, then people are going to fear coming to you. They may notice a problem, but not actually know a solution. They might not be qualified to give you a solution. So that's not really 
I mean, I understand where somebody's coming from when they say that they want to make sure people don't just complain all the time, but sometimes you have to be aware of some of the problems. So we got to realize what we're telling people that might be causing them fear. And then assumptions, I like to think of assumptions as the voice in your head that, you know, you, you're just assuming you're not going to be interested, that you, you're, that's not necessary, I'm not going to like this, it sounds boring, all the things that we say to talk ourselves out of uh, maybe doing something or reading something, uh, and we don't see why should we bother, and we all have to get that negative kind of tone sometimes, and, and some of it's based on past experience, we've done things in the past, and some of it is just you know, we, we make assumptions that aren't true. So I think, that, again, there's nine subcategories underneath the main heading of assumptions that I think you can really get some good ideas about what you're telling yourself that might be holding you back. And then the, the third area is technology. And a lot of people are held back by technology either because it does it for them and then they don't have to think about it or they don't get the foundational, you know, reasoning behind things, or they feel pressure to uh, the change, you know, it's not from their time frame. maybe they're older, uh, that they didn't grow up with it, or it keeps changing so much, they finally learn it, and then they got to learn it again, or, you know, all that type of thing, or it's just too much, it's information o overload. Some people really uh, rely on technology, instead of using their critical thinking skills, which can be problematic as well. So as we talk about some of the things that leaders are trying to fix, we really want critically thinking uh, employees. And if your over-reliance is on technology, that can be a problem. If you're, you know, if you're afraid of it, then that's a problem. And then the uh, last one is environment. And environment is everything from your childhood uh, to your current situation. It's every relationship you've ever had, from your parents to your siblings to your work relationships, peers, friends, you name it. Your current boss, your past boss, anybody you've ever met, basically, even social media. So there's so much that, you know, when you're a child... You're very curious, you go into school and then the teachers have to teach to the test. They have limited time to answer questions. And then even in work situations, you might've had a had past boss that, that shut you down or give, gave you a bunch of work and no you know, reward for that work. You know, There's so much that, that holds people back. And a lot of people just wanna be liked. They just go along with the flow and, and they, they kind of miss their passion in life because of that. Wonderful. So what I hear you saying is it's about fate. F-A-T-E, fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. Thank you for your explanation on those. Now, one of the things you mentioned there was very similar to something I was going to ask you about that you mentioned in your chapter about curiosity and leadership. And you said uh, when you were discussing how don't bring me questions, bring me solutions, which is a very common uh, right. adage. So not only from an employee level, but from a leader level. So in the chapter where you discussed that, you mentioned that even leaders may lack curiosity because they fear that being curious would expose them as not being smart right. as people believe that they are. Talk right. a little bit more about that, if you would. Well, nobody ever wants to look stupid, right? Nobody wants to look like they aren't uh, in control of everything. And I think a lot of leaders, and I think it was Lolly Daskal, who was on my show, who talked about so many leaders are so afraid they're going to be discovered that they don't know as much as they, they should know or as what they think they should know. And I, I think that we're seeing a lot of people who just think, how did I get here? I, if I let anybody know that I don't know everything, I'm gonna look bad. And and that's a problem. I, I, and I, I had mentioned Keith Proc writing the forward and he's somebody who I really admire because 
he just is so humble in the fact that he just says, you know, I put really great people around me because you can't know everything. I mean, no one knows everything, but you know, if you surround yourself with the best people and you don't worry that if you ask questions or provide input that you're going to look bad, uh, you know, he has this uh, humble way of acting. He doesn't pretend that he knows it all. And I love that quality in a leader because you know he's a smart guy. He went to Purdue and he's a guy, he's a billionaire, he's created all these companies. And there's no way he's, you know, not bright. You know he is, but, and you're not going to be a CEO of a company without being bright. So you have to let go uh, a little bit of that need to be thought of as so perfect because there's no way you can know everything. That's why you surround yourself with the great, you know, sport people. I mean, Steve Jobs didn't know probably a tenth of what Wozniak knew and programming and different things. But he was great at what he knew. And if you know, it, it's impossible for everybody to know everything. And you have to uh, really think about who you surround yourself with and make sure that you have that humble quality and ask people questions. And be the, just if you're showing that you have uh, the ability to ask questions and be vulnerable, other people will be that way as well, which is important for people to grow. Very well said. Well, if a leader is listening to this podcast right now and they're wondering about themselves or their organization, how can they keep leading? And the secret is curiosity. What do they need to do if they determine they need to uh, develop curiosity? Other than read your book and take the assessment, what would you say to them? <laughs> well, the, they've made the first step is they recognize there's a problem that they want to solve, right? And I think that we all know, all of us, like you and I both deal with culture and change in organizations. And if the CEO doesn't buy in, that's a big problem. If they know that, you know, there's a change needed, the CEO has to, to be behind it. And if, they're, if they recognize that these are issues, engagement is an issue or, uh, you know, conflict is an issue, whatever their problems are. And, and a lot of them are working on innovation and productivity issues that if they realize that in, that curiosity could be, the main key to what uh, helps them overcome some of the problems that they're experiencing. It's really simple to, to, to work on that because and the training programs are really uh, great that we, we certify all, all the, um, cert, the leadership consultants and HR professionals out there who are going through the training right now to be CCI certified in that we, we give them some uh, assessment assignments to give in, when the employees are taking these uh, assessments. So say uh, a, a leader decides they want everybody to take the CCI in the organization. Well, either somebody like, you know, I would come in or Eddie would come in or whoever is certified to give the CCI or their HR people might have already become certified. They would give the assessment to all the employees and the employees can keep their own personal results as, as private. But the, there's a couple of activities where they go over their issues that they have and create action plans to, to improve in these areas, which is really helpful for all four areas of FATE, as we mentioned. But then there's also other uh, assignments that they can do. And one of them is a really important one for leadership because the uh, result is that everybody who takes the assessment, they all get together in their training course and come up with ideas to give to leaders about how to improve in some of these areas like engagement and innovation based on uh, what can help develop their, their curiosity skills. So from the horse's mouth, so to speak, the, the leaders are getting 
uh, this, these ideas of this is what we need to succeed. And this is because we know about curiosity. Now, this is what I think would help me be more curious. And then the consultant or leader, uh, you know, HR person would go back to leadership with a report and saying, you know, overall, these are the suggestions we have. This is how you can make your organization better. And this is what will work for engagement. This is what will work for innovation. This, and, and it's a compiled report. And it's, it, you know, consultants love this because it's basically giving them something of huge value to give to leaders. Thank you. Now, there's another area that you focus on uh, related to curiosity in your book, and I briefly ran through some of those that really were interesting to me there, is emotional intelligence. I'm a certified emotional intelligence practitioner, and you are not only certified, but you also interview the man himself, Daniel Goldberg. So, I mean, I don't know many people that can say that. So, I'm just in awe of you for that reason. But there's something you said that I would, uh, I just thought was really important to share with the audience. And that is something I've never heard put quite this way. And I love this. Emotional intelligence is not about being nice. It's about being impactful. I love that. Talk yeah. about that a little bit. Well, you know, a lot of people think that you hear things like emotional intelligence, you know, just the word emotion bring, and it brings up soft skills, soft, and everybody likes to make everything seem kind of squishy, you know, like, and I, and I love that Daniel Goldman gave it a real solid, like, this is something very important. And this isn't just uh, about being liked and being, you know, something that we can sound as fluff, you know what I mean? And so he was the king, I, in my mind, of who made emotional intelligence mainstream, even though, you know, there was other researchers that were, had unbelievable research that he drew on. I, I love his book because it, it really made the uh, statement that EQ can matter more than IQ. And we've seen how many years that we hear people saying they're hiring people for their, their, uh, having their abilities and their skills, but they're not, they're ending up firing them for their uh, behaviors. So their soft skills and their emotional intelligence is a huge problem for organizations. And so I I think that that's why I think EI um, is something that so many companies still need to develop. And I am working with a lot of research in the area of not just curiosity, but perception and other things that impact uh, performance. And EI keeps coming up. And no matter what, what area you do, deal with, emotional intelligence comes up because our emotions uh, are so influenced by our surroundings, our culture. Uh, there's just, you, you know, that's the best part about emotional intelligence is that it can be developed, though, because it does, it can be changed, it can be improved. And that's, I think, why Daniel made such a splash. And now Travis Bradbury and others have, you know, capitalized on how great uh, uh, this is to know because it's the front part of your brain. You've got plasticity where you can just develop what we're what we're doing in our knowledge and our brain and our ability to handle uh, growth in, in our areas of emotional awareness. And it's interesting to look at emotional intelligence because when I wrote my dissertation on emotional intelligence and its impact on performance, I was fascinated by it because I didn't really know much about it back a long time ago. And I kept thinking, well, this is kind of a neat subject. I wonder how long this will stick around. <laughs> and it became so huge. I mean, it kept going and growing and snowballing and, and people really see the importance of it. That's why I, I thought it was such a, it was such a compliment what, when Vern Harnish was saying that he thought curiosity could be the next big uh, movement in human performance, because I really think 
that that's what we're looking at is trying to improve human performance and emotional intelligence is key to that. Well, I think Vern may be onto something and I couldn't agree more. And if it does turn out to be the next big movement, I'll be fortunate to say that I had a chance to interview you before it took off to the <laughs> level that I think it's going to reach. Oh, thank you, Eddie. Well, if our listeners are listening and we were to boil this down to one succinct statement, I think it would be that curiosity impacts everything from engagement to innovation and productivity. And it's the spark that ignites motivation and drive. Would you say so? I would agree. And I would add that our goal, my goal, is to just help the world develop their curiosity, just for them to to learn just a little bit about something that they never looked into before, just to make fear be a little bit less, to have that voice in their head be a little more positive, to embrace technology just a little bit more, and to recognize that our environment might have dissuaded us from something that could have been something we really would love. And if we're going to be truly engaged, we need to be aligned properly. And I think we can do that through developing our curiosity. I love it. I love it. Well, Dr. Diane, my listeners are listening to this podcast so that they can learn ways to keep leading. Do you have a quote, a leadership quote that you could share? Well, I don't know if I would consider it leadership quote or just a people quote, but I would say one of my favorite quotes, I had a whole bunch of them in my book, but Albert Einstein had some of the best quotes and his most famous one that I like to use is, I have no special talent. I'm only passionately curious. And I love the humble quality of that because uh, nobody's more curious uh, that I, you know, I mean, the Albert Einstein was it for me. And I was uh, so impressed by what he was able to accomplish. And I would like more people to try and emulate that. Well, based on our discussion today, I certainly believe that is a leadership quote because I'm going to certainly be telling people that if we want to be more effective as leaders, if we want to continue to develop and keep leading, we have to become curious, stay curious. I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Tell everybody where they can find you, please. Oh, well, it's so nice of you to have me on the show, Eddie. Um, There's a couple places. If they want to know more about curiosity and developing uh, their curiosity levels, they can go to curiositycode.com. And on that site, you can get the book. Of course, you can go to Amazon as well to get the book. But you get the book. You can take the assessment. And you can contact me if you're interested in becoming CCI certified, uh, which would give you five hours of SHRM. Uh, recertification credit and a lot of discounts on future uh, assessments and things that you give to organizations. So that's really uh, been a lot of uh, interest in that. And if you're interested in any of my other work, it's at drdianehamilton.com. You can also get to the curiosity information from there, as well as my radio show and uh, my consulting and speaking. Fantastic. Well, we're going to make sure that this is in the show notes so that folks who are driving or doing other things while listening can be able to go back and retrieve those and get in touch with you and stay connected with you. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Eddie. Well, that concludes this episode, everyone. This is Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is not about our title or our position. Leadership is an activity. Leadership is action. No, it's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you are doing, always keep leading.
Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.